0: Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Lydia House, and it's good to
1: be with you again on a beautiful morning. Uh, Even though we aren't together this morning, we decided we would pretend we were and record worship outside like we would if we were at the Andersons. So, yay! This is the nice blossoming tree in our front yard. And hopefully you guys are enjoying some nice outdoor time as well. And let's just pray to open up our service. Father, we thank you for today, and we welcome you here. We welcome you here, Lord Jesus, and we welcome you here, Holy Spirit. We ask that you would bless this time. Help us to focus on you and how awesome you are. And I want everybody now just to set aside everything that's concerning them, weighing on your mind, weighing on your heart. I want you to just set all that down and relax. Take a deep breath. I want you to receive the love of God. The more of God's love we have, the more we can do anything. Love never fails. So we ask for more, Lord. I see you would fill this up with that. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Before I call, before I ever cry, you answer me from where the thunder hides. I cannot run this hard I'm tethered to. every step, I collide with you. Like a tidal wave crashing over me, rushing in to meet me here. Your love is fierce Like a hurricane That I can't escape Turning through the atmosphere Your love is fierce You cannot fail The only thing i found Is through it all You never let me down Don't hold back Relentless back in pursuits pursuit every turn, I come face to face with you Like a tidal wave, crashing over me Rushing in to meet me here Your love is fierce Like a hurricane, that I can't escape Tearing through the atmosphere Your love is fierce Chase me down, seek me out. How can I be lost when you have caught me found? Chase me down, seek me out. How can I be lost when you have caught me found? Chase me down, seek me out. How can I be lost when you have caught me found? chase me down seek me out how can i be lost when you have called me found like a tidal wave crushing over me rushing in to meet me here your love is fierce like a hurricane that i can't escape tearing through the atmosphere your love is fierce like a tidal wave crushing over me rushing in to meet me here your love is fierce like a hurricane that i can't escape tearing through the atmosphere your love is fierce Around these walls,
2: I thought that now they'd fall, but, but you have never, never failed me, me yet.
0: Waiting for change to come, knowing the battles won. For you have never filled me yet. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my comfort. I know the night won't last, your word will come to pass, my heart will sing your praise again. Jesus, you're still enough, keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence never failed me yet. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. You've never failed me yet. Never Never fail Made away where there was no way, and I believe I see you do it again. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I see you do it again. And made away where there was no way, and I believe I see you do it again. See you do it again. Oh Lord, please do it again. I know you'll do Do it again. again. Your promise still still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands This is my confidence You've never Failed me yet You've never Failed me yet I never Will forget You've never Failed me yet you have never Failed around these walls
2: I, I thought that
0: now they'd fall
2: But you have never, never failed me yet
0: Waiting for change, for change to come Knowing the man For you have never filled me yet Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness your faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my comfort I know the night won't last, your word will come to pass, my heart will sing your praise again. Jesus, you're still enough, keep me within your love my heart will sing your praise again your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness i'm still in your hands this is my confidence you never failed me yet Your no promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence You've never failed me yet You've never failed me yet Never never fail You move the mountains And I believe I see you do it again You made a way Where there was no way And I believe I see you do it again I've seen you move You move the mountains And I believe I see you do it again You've made a way where well, there was no way, and I believe I see it do it again. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I see it do it again. And made a way where there was no way, and I believe I see it do it again. Do it again Oh Lord, please do it again I know you'll do it again Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence You've never Failed me yet You've never Failed me yet I never will Forget You've never Failed me yet you have never Failed Child of God, yeah. I'm no longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God, and from my mother's womb you have chosen me, love has called my name, and I've been born again to your family. Your blood flows through my veins So I'm no longer a slave to fear Oh, I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear Oh, I am a child of God I could stand and say I I am am a child child of God. You split the sea, you split the sea, so I could walk right through it. My fears are drowned in perfect love. You rescued me, so I could stand and say I am a child of God. I am. A child of God stand and sing. I am a child of God. You split the sea. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears are drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. I am child of God. One more time. I am a child of God. So I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of
2: God.
1: And welcome again, everybody, to Lydia House. We're so happy that you came to join us today, whether you are at home or somewhere else. Maybe you're watching live, or maybe this is in the distant future, and you've uncovered it. We welcome you here, and we thank you for joining us in this church. We have just a couple of announcements today. I want to remind you that giving is still taking place, uh, predominantly online. You can still send in checks if you want both for the support of the ministry here at the church, which we really appreciate. Uh, You know, during lockdown, there's still expenses and things still move on. And so we definitely appreciate your support. Lydia House is 100% supported by the people in the church. And so uh, Paul and I both really appreciate that. And uh, you can also give checks to Harvest Water Africa to support the ministry we're doing there, planting farms and digging wells in Uganda, uh, which is going really well, by the way. Um, Let me know if you want some more info on that. But we're planning on uh, planting a few more farms, banana farms, very soon. And Pastor Dowson right now is going around and handing out food to the poor who are not able to work right now and are starving. And so he's handing out food and soap and all that kind of necessary stuff to everybody. So please keep Pastor Dowson in your prayers as well in Uganda. And I want to point you to the website, lydiahousechurch.org. And check that out. Everything's on there. Former sermons, all the videos that we've done recently since lockdown, the podcasts, that sort of thing. And uh, also encourage you to check out our Facebook page. And on the Facebook page, there is a private prayer group. So if you want to share prayer requests or have people pray uh, for prayer requests or pray yourself, maybe, for other people's prayer requests that are more private, uh, the, the, the private group is just people who join that are approved. So people within the church. Um, I know sometimes people don't like to post prayer requests public, and I don't mind. I mean, I don't blame you for that at all. So uh, join the private prayer group, and you can do that, and that would be awesome. And I want to encourage you to join us by Zoom in these days where we're still separated. Um, We are using Zoom, which is a free program, and it allows us to do kind of video conferencing, Um, So that everybody can kind of get online together and still fellowship and talk and share with each other and have a good time. And it's actually been really, really awesome. And so after the service, every Sunday, so around 12 or maybe a little before, maybe a little after, depending on the length of the service, but 12 or a little earlier, we will be having our Zoom fellowship lunch. We encourage you to join us. The link for that is in the description of the video. And it's also on the website. If you go to the live page, there will be a link to that Zoom video, also or that Zoom conference. Also, the guys' group meets every Sunday morning at nine, and the women's group meets every Sunday morning at nine forty-five. So, if you're interested in one of those small groups, go ahead and join. The links are on the web page, also. And uh, for the time being, at least, we are also going to be doing a fellowship on Wednesday evenings at seven p.m. Also via Zoom. Uh, It's nice for those who find. Mornings to be difficult, uh, to have an evening option is good, and that's proven to be really great. It's kind of a small group sort of thing, and we encourage you to join us Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Thanks a lot. Hi, everybody. Pastor Nate here, and as you can see, I am wearing a mask. The reason being, hopefully soon, maybe within the next few weeks or so, we should be able to meet in person again to celebrate the Lord together. In the same physical location. I know, seems very strange, right? And when we are, we will all be wearing these, masks. Doesn't have to be this exact mask. Sarah's great-aunt made these for the family. Um, But some kind of mask will be required for the foreseeable future, which I know is annoying uh, for many people. But I would rather be together and wear a mask than not be together. But if some of you would prefer to stay home and unmask and continue worshiping from home, the worship videos will continue and you will still be able to continue worshiping from home. I also just want to say that when we do open up and start meeting together again, if you personally feel that you should still stay home and worship from home in order to protect yourself, protect loved ones, or because maybe you feel you have too much exposure and you don't want to expose the church uh, to something, then I want you to hear it from me, your pastor, that that is okay. It is okay to choose to stay home. Sorry, I have to adjust my mask here. These takes I'm getting used to, right? It is okay for you to choose to stay home even after we open up again. There is no shame in that. We are not going to think less of you if you choose to do that. Um, you are still a valid and important part of this church, whether you worship with us in person or you worship from home. So, please keep that in mind. I don't want anyone to feel any kind of peer pressure or religious pressure or anything like that to show up in person uh, as soon as we're able to do that. I want you to pray, listen to the Holy Spirit, and follow what you think the Lord is telling you to do. And we are going to support you in that. And Zoom will continue. Um, And so you'll be able to still engage with what's happening with the church. We're still going to record and put the services online so you can still be a part of what's going on. So we don't know how long it's going to be. Is it only going to be a couple of weeks? Is it going to be another month? We're not sure yet, but we are moving in the direction of planning and preparing for the opening. And so as we are doing that, I encourage you to do that as well and think about what it is that God would want you to do. And if he's calling you to stay home for a couple more months before you jump in, that is okay For real, please do not feel bad about that. And if you want to talk to Pastor Paul about it, please give him a call um, or someone else on the leadership team. I encourage you to do that. I'm going to take this off now since we are not meeting in person yet. And yes, these are annoying when you're trying to speak to someone. Um, But there are different kind of masks you can get or make that are much larger and make talking easier. And so it's a small sacrifice to pay uh, to be able to meet together again. And so we're going to take it as an opportunity to humble ourselves. And by the way, I've mentioned this before, but, you know, we don't wear masks because that's what they're telling us to do. We're wearing masks because right now this is a way that we can show love to one another. Honestly, and I might get flack for this, but... Even if the government didn't say masks were required, I would insist on them at Lydia House, at least for the summer, because they're proven to reduce transmission of this coronavirus. And I love you guys, and I want to keep you safe, I want to keep your families safe, and I want to keep the families of the people you come in contact with safe. And this is actually a really good way to do that. Um, Many of us in Lydia House have a connection to Asia, a lot of us were born there, grew up there, spent considerable time there, like myself. Sarah was born in Tokyo and lived in Japan until she was almost 10, and then we lived there as a family uh, for over three years until right before Bella was born. And in Asia, people wear masks whenever they think they might be sick or have been exposed to something that is an illness. They do that out of honor for each other. They honor other people in their family, people they work with, people on the subway. They honor them by themselves wearing a mask to protect them so that they don't get the other people sick. And I love that example. And I think that's what we need to think about and do. We're not forced to wear masks and er, uh, masks. No, we're wearing masks as a sacrifice for one another. It's a way to show love and it's a way to honor each other. And for a lot of us in this church, that's not a problem, because the Asian connection we have, um, it's something that we're familiar with, and the concept is normal. For those of us who aren't as familiar with that, this might take a little bit of getting used to, but I encourage you to reframe uh, the thinking about masks from some sort of dictatorial thing to, no, This I can humble myself, and I can honor others and show love to them by wearing a mask, so I encourage you to do that, and it's not going to last forever, okay? So it'll be all right. And I also want to say a word about sabbatical. This is my last Sunday at Lydia House for a couple months. So uh, I will be going on sabbatical next week. And I will be out of touch. Maybe in general. No, I'm usually out of touch. No, I will be uh, incommunicado. Uh, You won't be able to get me uh, for the next couple months, for the summer, basically, for the duration of the summer. Um, anything you need, you can talk to Pastor Paul, you can talk to uh, Luann or Steve Johnson, you can talk to Chris Alex, you can talk to Tim Bentley, you can talk to CJ. And if you need anything, let them know. They can help you out. Um, if you have any questions, uh, just go ahead and refer it to Pastor Paul, as I will be unable to answer them, as Sabbath derives from the word, uh, sabbatical derives from the word Sabbath. And so it's a, it's a rest period. Um, Just like in the Old Testament, Sabbath was meant for rest and for reflection on God to devote some time to prayer and study and spending it with the Lord. And a sabbatical is similar. It's something that ministers do um, roughly every seven years. Uh, This is the eighth year, so I don't know if that makes me right on time or late. Uh, But that's what I'll be doing over the next few months is I'm going to be focusing on listening to God and refreshing and retooling uh, my relationship with him. I'll be be thinking about Liddy House and probably doing some planning, but I'm going to try not to do it in a work way, uh, as work is what I am not allowed to do. Um, And I will also be uh, writing. As you know, I've I've got a couple books rolling around in this head that I need to get out uh, onto the paper, and so I'm going to be doing that. My brother Matt, who you know, and I will be uh, working on our guy's devotional book for guys who don't like devotional books. And I'm also going to be writing a book on peace and how to live without stress, which is a topic we've been talking about for the last few weeks now and a topic we're going to continue talking about in just a moment as we conclude this series. So thank you for your support um, in allowing me to go on sabbatical. I really appreciate that. Uh, A lot of people have sent me encouraging messages and um, letting me know that, that you're with me and you're glad or even proud that I'm... Uh, taking a sabbatical, it is a tough thing to do uh, for pastors. Um, and so I really appreciate that a lot. And I, after the Zoom lunch today, I won't see you again until September. So have an amazing summer. And it's going to be an unusual summer because of the whole virus thing. And there's going to be a lot going on. And we might not know from week to week if we are even going to meet at church this week live or what's going to go on. You know... This is a time where we can all practice humility and giving up control to the Lord. And so I encourage you to do that this summer. Try to get outside as much as you can and have some fun. So let's get back into the topic of peace. And how to live in the peace of Christ that he has given us. We're going to start out with a prop. You know about props. So... Jesus gave us his peace. He said that multiple times in the Gospels. My peace I give to you, John 14, 27. And so we have it. It's a gift that we have. It resides within us. It is a fruit of the Spirit, which means it is an aspect of the Holy Spirit himself. And so the peace of Christ is the Holy Spirit. It is an aspect of the Holy Spirit himself. And God the Holy Spirit lives right within all of us. And so we have the peace of Christ here. We need to learn how to walk in it and how to exercise it. And that's what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. The way life works is that it's difficult and that it challenges us and that it throws things at us that are hard to respond to and react to, and they're things that we wouldn't probably choose and don't really like. And these situations come in from the outside and they apply pressure. That's where we use the term stress. It's an engineering term. And it refers to pressure that causes strain and deformation. And so we experience emotional stress when the world presses in on us from outside, whether it's a fairly personal um, situation, like I wrecked my car or my wife lost her job. Okay. That's a personal situation. Or it could be something really macro, like there's a pandemic going on and everybody's worried and the economy's lousy or whatever. And so, or anywhere in between, it could be something that was an accident, a hailstorm, totaled our house three years ago, totaled it, and that was an outside force, totally outside of our control. You couldn't have done anything about that. Or it could be something that someone else did to you intentionally, or it could even be something that you did and you're living in the consequences of a bad decision. Whatever the case may be, all those things are coming from the outside because within you resides the Holy Spirit, and those bad things don't reside in your heart. They're not in your spirit. They're not in there. They're out there. And so when they're out here, they try to come in. They press in and they offer you some stress, some anxiety, some worry, fear, anger, whatever it is. They offer you that. And we are learning as a church and as individuals how to say no to those stresses. We are learning how to say no when life throws us an unexpected employment change. Hours get cut. Let's just say that. Or just pay gets cut. That's happening to a lot of people right now. Their pay is getting cut um, because of what is happening in the business uh, during the pandemic. So your pay gets cut, 25%. Ooh, huge pay cut. Ouch. Unexpected. Messes up the budget. Messes up plans, right? Right away, depending on your personality, you could end up going down a road that is like, all right, we got to plan this, and you kind of get frazzled that way. Otherwise, way, you could get defeated, and you could just be like, oh, this is so... You know, they're not valuing me as an employee. I mean, there's a lot of ways you could take this. I recommend taking it none of those ways. And instead say, immediately go to your knees before the Lord and say, okay, God, this is a big one. I have not thought this through yet. I have not felt this through yet. But even before I do, I want to give you all the stress of this situation. I want to give you any worry." that might come up over this situation. I give you any fear about our finances, about our future, and I ask you to let your peace flow in me and through me so that I can deal with this circumstance and this information in the best possible way. So it's not just that we say no to the stress so that we can live in peace instead. That's great in and of itself. But when we are living in peace, We handle things better. We talked about that a little bit last week when we looked at the Philippians 4 passage, which said that the peace of Christ will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, like shields around a spaceship, or like a big shield um, that a soldier would carry, which is the metaphor that Paul uh, was intending. And so when we are filled with peace, it guards our responses, and it helps us not to go down to negative town when something bad happens. It helps us to respond to the situation better than we would have if we were not living in peace. That situation describes what I would say is what we're trying to get to, which is where the the peace of Christ is ruling in our hearts. The peace is the boss. The peace is the gatekeeper when things come in. And your peace, which again is the Holy Spirit, you're yielding to the Holy Spirit and giving him control. And giving him first response authority. Many of us, because of whatever personality traits we happen to have, we have come accustomed to giving first response authority to our emotions. Maybe a specific emotion, maybe anger, maybe defensiveness. Or maybe it's reason. That's what it is for me. First response Authority is given to reason. Okay, let's figure this out. What should we reasonably do? We can't do any of those. The Bible is clear, and we're going to see this in a minute, that the peace of God needs to rule in our hearts. That authority of first response to situations that happens has to be our peace. It has to be the Holy Spirit within us That we have yielded that by an act of our own will, our self-control, and that those situations are responded to first by our peace, the peace of Christ. Then, absolutely, feelings, thinking, doing, they come next. But we need to yield that place to the Holy Spirit. That's the nutshell of what we're going to talk about today. But let me backtrack a bit. So, stress pushes in on us from the outside, these different situations, okay? Our hours got cut. Let's just keep with that example. Um, our, our, our pay got cut. We have to work the same amount, but we get less pay. That's not fair. But let's say that happens. This is us. And we are filled with the peace of God, right? We are, this is a beach ball, obviously. I'm opening the, um, I don't know if there's a technical name for that, the air hole. Uh, I'm opening that up because we are an open system. We are leaky. Humans are very leaky. It's why Paul says to be filled with the Spirit constantly, every day, come before the Lord. Well, if I'm full, why do I need to go get filled up again tomorrow? It's because we're leaky. Uh, And that that has to do with the fact that we have not yet grown up into our new nature. We still allow our old nature, or our zombie, as I call it, to dictate terms and dictate thoughts and dictate actions. And as we grow out of that, we become less and less leaky. We become more and more like Jesus. That's the sanctification. But we're pretty leaky, most of us. And so things come in and they press into our lives. And as they do that, we lose some of our peace. We lose some of our air. And so our boss says, we're getting a pay cut at least for a month. Okay. And then he says, nope, it's going through the end of the spring for sure. Uh, And then he gets laid off. And the next boss, she says... Actually, we have to continue this through the entire summer, maybe September even. Okay, meanwhile, other things are happening around the house and and more craziness, normal life craziness. But when we're already bent out of shape, those things have more of an impact. We might never yell at our spouse or yell at our kids because they did something really unthoughtful or insensitive or mean. We would just talk to them and tell them not to do that or whatever. But when our kid does that, and we're already stressed out, you all know what happens. You overreact. You're like, oh, why did I do that? Well, the reason you did that is because you look like this, folks. This is not a fun life. This is not a fun place to be. This doesn't even describe a beach ball anymore. A beach ball is fun. It's bouncy. It's enjoyable. People see a beach ball, it makes them happy. A study actually showed that's true. So it might not be for you, but pretend it is. This doesn't make anybody happy. This is either hilarious, in sort of an ironic way, or just really pathetic. I have felt like this before. I know you have felt like this before. It's not a great way to feel. This is what happens when we allow the cares of this world, as Jesus called them in Matthew, as we allow the cares of this world to choke off the life of God within us. This is what it looks like. And so we need to come to the Holy Spirit and we need to say We need to humble ourselves, get on our knees, and apologize and say, I'm sorry I let that happen. I shouldn't have done that, but but I did. And I am sorry. Help me do better, Lord. And then we cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for us, Peter 5. And when we empty ourselves out of all the junk we've let in instead of the peace, then we have room for the Holy Spirit to fill us back up, which is what we ask him to do. And we continue to walk in that. And so the Holy Spirit does fill us back up. It takes a little bit to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, although the, the I have found the longer you go on and the better you get at peace, the faster you get filled up, which is interesting. By the way, the Hebrew word for breath, I'm breathing into this, right? The Hebrew word for breath is ruach, and that's the same exact word as spirit. That's why in Genesis, the God breathes, and that's uh, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, breathes that Holy Spirit into us, and that creates the human life that we have made in the image of God. That same breath, that same spirit, is what makes us creatures born in the image of God. That same thing is what happens when we get filled with the Spirit. The literal breath of God breathes inside of us and fills us up. I literally picture the Holy Spirit within me just breathing out and filling all of my space with his holy presence and peace. Maybe that's a really silly picture for you. That's okay. That's my picture. Find your own. Ask God for one. And he'll help you to be able to visualize or to understand this in a better way. So the Holy Spirit fills us back up. And then here we are. Again, we're still open. Things still happen in our life. Circumstances still come our way. So we need to continue to practice peace, to walk in it, to say no to the stress that those situations offer, to say yes to peace, to allow that peace to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And last week, we learned that thankfulness was a really huge component to this. And so we want to do these things with Thanksgiving, especially when it's a habitual thing that keeps coming back to our mind over and over again. Keep thinking about it. Keep thinking about it. And right now, in the times that we live in, this is a big problem for a lot of people. We keep thinking about the what ifs. And we need to stop doing that. Every time we think about those what ifs, we give a place for that worry and fear to come and offer us more of that worry and fear again, to take it to our hearts. Every time we think about it, there it is offering us more. We need to learn to take our thoughts captive, as we talked about last week, and not think think about that stuff, and not even give a place for worry or fear to have an opportunity to offer more of that to us for our heart, so that we're not even tempted to allow our heart to be troubled. Because Jesus said, don't allow your heart to be troubled. That's, that's your job to do, or rather not do, to not allow your heart to be troubled. And if we put ourselves in a position where we're allowing our heart to be troubled constantly, or rather, when we allow possibility of our heart to be troubled. And so that the situation is saying, be troubled, be troubled, be troubled, take some of this, take some of this. When we are allowing ourselves to think negatively and get on that train and think about what might happen, what might happen, oh no, what if this, that it's just very difficult to stand in peace in that situation. If you're in a battle and you find yourself in a a situation where you can see thousands of arrows coming your way, And you've got your shield, but over there is really great cover. You should run for cover and stay there until the arrows stop flying. You don't need to be a hero and stand there saying, I'm pretty sure I can try to block all of these with my little shield. Not only might that not work, but it's just not necessary. So take every thought captive. Think on things above. And that's what Paul was really emphasizing in Ephesians. The keys to walking in peace at this next level is thankfulness, including thanking God for what he hasn't done yet in your situation. That's called faith. And taking our thoughts captive. Using self-control to govern what we think. And then we can live in peace. And we can be more like a beach ball. See, just sitting here, this started starting to deflate. We're leaky. We're leaky. So we constantly have to be filled with the Spirit. That's what the Bible says. Be continually being filled with the Spirit. And this is what we have to do. We have to do it every day. And as we do that, we find that life gets a lot more fun. And i try to not hit the camera. All right, good job, me. Okay, so let's continue then. In concluding this series, I wanted to look at one more passage with you, and that is in Colossians chapter three. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Chapter 3, and we're going to read uh, most of the chapter, actually. This is similar in theme to the Philippians 4 passage we read last week. It brings up some different, um, some different aspects, though, that I want to look at. But you're going to see that he is emphasizing the same things, and Paul does this a number of times. This whole thing about walking in the Spirit, walking in peace, and then allowing that peace to guard our hearts and getting better at it so that we can, we can um, more govern our minds and what we allow ourselves to think about so that we can walk in peace even better and walk in the spirit and even more power and even more authority and of thanking God in advance for what it is that he's going to do for us without dictating terms of what we want him to do but leaving that in God's hands because God is capable. All these themes come back in Paul's writing again and again, again and again. Of course, he's drawing on Jesus' teachings. And he himself is being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this stuff. So God, God, the Holy Spirit, is literally writing about himself here and how to stay unified with him. We are unified now with God in a way that wasn't possible under the Old Covenant. When God adopted us, he placed us in Christ. He's placed his spirit in us. We're together now. We're inseparable We're not just humans anymore, like in the Old Covenant. Those were humans. We're like a human-God hybrid now. Again, that's weird sci-fi stuff, but it's accurate. Our old selves are gone. We are now a new creation. A new creation, Paul says a couple different times. That means we're a new being. We're a new type of being, a new type of human. We are humans who have been unified with God. And as we learn to submit um, the old fleshly stuff to the Holy Spirit that is within us, we walk in much, much greater peace and greater authority. And so Paul brings this up over and over and over again. Learning to walk in the Spirit is really important to him. If you were to read all the New Testament, like, in a week, just plow through it, you would see that, wow, walking in the Spirit, living in peace, these are things that are talked about constantly. They are so important. And so we've been talking about it for several weeks now. And we're going to finish up with this Colossians 3 passage. A lot of this is going to be, if you've been partaking in the series up till now, a lot of this is going to be like, yeah, yeah, I've read that, I've read that, I've read that. So verse 1, Colossians 3. And instead of reading the whole passage through at once, I'm going to pause and, and comment. Um, so please follow along with me at home. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, and the linguistic implication there is, of course you have been raised with Christ. Okay? You know that. You died in your sins during your baptism, and you were raised to new life with Christ. You died with your sins. Your old self died with him on the cross. You've been raised to new life. And Paul says, so if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Very similar to the Philippians 4 passage where he was telling us to think on things above. Instead of dwelling on the negative stuff, instead of allowing our thoughts to go down all those different rows, we need to stop ourselves from thinking, whoa, stop it. This is not a good line of thinking. I need to stop that and think on things above. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And so, again, he's saying we need to keep our minds focused on things that are of love. Keep our minds focused on God and on um, godly things, not on negative things and on worry and fear and what-if scenarios and that sort of stuff. Or on how much pain we're in or how sad our situation is or, or why me and woe is me and I'm a, such a victim and all any of those kind of things. I'm not saying that those things aren't valid thoughts or valid feelings or that they might not be accurate. I'm saying that if we allow our minds to dwell on those over and over and over again, your cortisol and other stress hormone levels in your body are going to get sick. And you're going to get sick physically. And it's going to mess you up, obviously, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually as well. We need to keep away from that. And so Paul is saying, again, the way to do that, keep our minds on things above. Don't let it sink. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Slap, you, slap yourself on the face every once in a while when you're going down to negative town and say, nope, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to change direction. I'm going to thank God. I'm going to think on things that are above. Verse two, set your mind on things that are above. Okay, so I jumped again. Set your mind on things that are above. Again, same thing we learned last week. This is so important. Set your minds on things that are above. The key to all of this is our minds where we allow ourselves to think. And guess what? You're in control of that. You're not in control of every thought that comes into your head, but you are in control about how you respond to those thoughts and which thoughts you decide to dwell on. If you have a scary thought or a concerning thought that just comes into your head, don't belittle yourself for that, but don't then grab onto it and, and, and start taking it and thinking about it and dwelling on it. That's when it gets bad. Uh, Martin Luther once was asked about lust and whether or not he had lustful thoughts in a discussion on sin. And he's like, of course I do. And the, the person talking to him was like, well, what do you do? And he, Martin Luther said, I can't stop the birds from flying over my head. But I can keep them from making a nest in my hair. And I think that's the greatest analogy I think I've ever heard. You can't stop thoughts from coming into your head, OK? No, no more than you can stop birds from flying over your head. But you can definitely keep a bird from making a nest in your hair. And you can definitely keep yourself from dwelling on a sinful thought and allowing it to take root and take hold in your mind. And we can do that with any type of thought. We can't stop ourselves from thinking, oh, what if this happens? But We can stop it. We can give it to God. And we can refuse to continue to thinking about it. And that's what Paul's talking about here. You can't just do that first part and refuse to think about it. You have to replace that thought with something good. I like to replace it with the opposite. And so if the thought or the fear has to do with finances, let's go back to that. Your your wages got cut temporarily. So if the fear has to do with finances, I like to focus on the positives that relate to that specific issue. So I focus on all of the wonderful things God has done in my life and finances. And so I thank him for all the times he's come through for me financially that I didn't know what we were going to do. I thank him for all the times he allowed us to maybe come up with an idea or something else that would get us more money. Or we just had more money than we thought. Or we needed to spend less money than we thought. I thank him for the times he allowed our car to keep driving when that piece of junk should have literally fallen to pieces on the road. And instead of getting worse, it got better. We used to have to put half a quart of oil into our car every single time we filled up with gas. Eventually, that stopped. And not only do we not have to put any oil in, but it started getting like 50 miles a gallon over 50 miles a gallon on a long trip. And that's a God thing. And so when I if there's if there's concerns that come about finances, then I thank God for what he's done in my life in the area of finances. And I thank him that in this situation, he is gonna make a way where I currently don't see a way. And then no matter what happens, he is gonna take care of me and I thank him for that. Again, that's a thankfulness in faith. So you don't just let go of the negative thing in your mind, you have to grab a hold to a positive thing. Things above to replace it, and it might be helpful to look up a scripture or to write out a quick testimony or something like that um, to remind yourself. And every time that happens, you just remind yourself. And yeah, eventually the enemy is going to get bored and leave. This is what resisting the enemy looks like. This is exactly what that means. So, back to verse 2 Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are of the earth. Okay, again, juxtaposition there. For you have died. You have died. You you already died with Christ in your baptism. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Let that old self, that zombie, die. And then he gives some lists. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion. And he's not talking about good passion there. He's talking about Uh, selfish passion, greedy passion, evil desire, covetousness, all of which are idolatry, Paul says. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In those, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self, like we were talking about, with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. Catch that? So your new self, the self that you have been recreated in, thanks to what Jesus did for us, put on that new self, learn to walk in that new self, and operate in that new self, specifically... By being renewed in knowledge. This is very similar to another verse we quoted last week, where um, Paul says, You need to be transformed. i talking about the same topic. By the renewing of your minds. The renewing of your minds. Same thing here, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Again, it's in our minds. All of this battle is in our minds. When I say it's in our minds, I don't mean it's fake. It's very, very real. And it affects us in very real ways. And as we looked at a few weeks ago, it causes a host of diseases. And it's one of the dwelling on that kind of stress and stuff is one of the biggest causes of things like heart disease and cancer and all that other horrible stuff. We want to stay away from it. And we have the power to do this because Christ gave us the key to unlock this door we can do this through the holy spirit we submit ourselves to him and he helps us learn how to walk in this and that's exactly what paul is talking about here put off those old things and and having put on the new which is being renewed in knowledge after its creator so learn to walk in your new nature which doesn't have to give into that stuff anymore you don't have to you can use your self-control to ask the holy spirit to help you So get that negative junk out of your heads and fill it with things that are above. Fill it with thankfulness. It's not easy to do when you first start. I'll tell you that much. Because habits are hard to break. Always. Habits are always hard to break. And thought patterns, habitual thought patterns can be very hard to break particularly if it's a thought pattern that we've had for as long as we can remember. If you have been thinking one way your whole life, like when stressful situations come, you get afraid, let's say. You get afraid about that and about what might happen next, and you're expecting the next shoe to drop. And that's just how you've always been. And it's easy to say, well, that's just my personality. It is your personality, and it needs to die. It needs to die. And in fact, it already has. It already did die in your baptism. It drowned. You've been buried with Christ. The the New Testament is so clear on this. And that's what Paul's talking about now. Let your old ways die and walk into the new ways. I'm not saying your personality needs to die, but I'm saying there are aspects about our personality for all of us that are gifts, they're positive things, and there are other aspects that are drawbacks. They pull us down. The tendency to respond in fear, the tendency to get depressed, the tendency to feel rejected. Those are negative things. They pull us down. And the Holy Spirit wants to transform those things in your mind. And so we need to allow the Holy Spirit to change us. He will literally reprogram your brain to be transformed. It needs to be changed. It's not just revitalized. It's not a fresh coat of paint on your current way of thinking. Okay? It is a complete reprogramming of your brain and the way you think. It is transformed by the renewing of your mind, being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. In other words, to the, the, the metaphor there is it's taking a structure and remaking it to look it like the other structure, an image of the other structure. God is changing our minds, reforming our brains to make us look like the brain of Jesus. And elsewhere, we read that we have already been given the mind of Christ. This is something we have. We just have to learn to walk into it through the process of sanctification. In the process of being renewed by your minds, and so I encourage you to give into this. But it's uh, it's difficult, especially when it's thought patterns that we've had all our life. It will take some time to get over this. Be patient with yourself. The Holy Spirit has been very patient with you, and He will continue to be very patient with you. So allow Him to renew your mind. Cooperate, cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Learn to say no to this negative stuff. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you recognize what are your specific things? What are your quirks? What are your old ways of thinking, your zombie brain way of thinking that you still do? And maybe you don't even realize it. It can be helpful to talk to a friend or a spouse or somebody else. Uh, spouses are usually uh, very helpful at showing us some of our weaknesses and flaws. Uh, that's part of the reason marriage exists, I believe, um, so that we can sharpen one another to become more like Jesus. Um, but let's, keep, let's keep reading here in, in Colossians we're up to verse 11. Um, so he says, so being uh, renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all in all. Again, in the spirit, male, female, what, what nationality we're from, what heritage we're from, rich, poor, none of those things matter. In, in the spirit, in God, we're, we're all the same because Jesus is our source for everything. We have the common the common source. Verse 12, put on then, God's as God's chosen ones, which you are, holy and beloved, which you are, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. If one has a bearing with one another, it can be a tough one. When someone's going through a really hard time, they can be kind of difficult to hang on with. It says, bear with one another. Don't, don't forsake fellowship just because someone's going through a hard time. If anything, double down and help them turn their gaze from internal up to, up to heaven, like Paul is talking about in this passage. We need to help each other to do that. We're not supposed to do this life alone. We never were. Um, forgiving each other. I think I skipped one. Oh, if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all else, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. We talked about that last week, too. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed were called in one body. So we're going to get back to that verse, but let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Is a really important concept. To which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. So there's the thankfulness again um, that we talked about last week. Thankfulness helps us get to that next level of living in the peace of God, and so that it can get to a point where it rules in our hearts, where the peace of God rules in our hearts. Thankfulness is a key to that, like we talked about last week. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Okay, that's mind again, right? We hear the word of Christ um, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Again, so be renewed in your mind over and over, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. There it is again, thankfulness. This is a huge component to this. Instead of thinking about the negative stuff and dwelling on that, we thank God for all the stuff he's done and we thank him for what he has yet to do. That is the correct response. Uh, With thankfulness in your hearts to God and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Great passage. Great passage, love love this Colossians three. Um, so I want to go back to verse third. Uh, sorry, my eyes are getting old. Forty two now. Uh, verse uh, fifteen, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So, I hinted at this earlier, but. We all have a gatekeeper, a ruler in our hearts. For most of us, it's either something related to thinking or something related to feeling. And that's how we've always been. It's just a a mixture of our personality and our experiences and our traumas or wounds. And it, it comes up with a patchwork gatekeeper. And when situations happen, the first response is that, whatever it is. If it's emotional, maybe it's our first response is anger. Maybe we tend to respond to everything with anger. Maybe we don't like that, but we do it, and we don't know what to do about that. Maybe our first response is fear. Maybe our first response is to hide in case there's any conflict because we don't like conflict. We all have a, a gatekeeper, something that rules in our hearts, that sits in, in that judgment role, that first response role in our hearts. Or maybe it's thinking. I, I share that for me, it's, it's reason. Reason is my gatekeeper. naturally speaking, in the the old Nate, the zombie Nate, the nor near as good as me Nate. And something happens, and I instantly want to diagnose, I I want to study, diagnose, and institute a plan immediately to do something in response um, to that situation. Now, these first responses are not bad. I've I've taught on our motivational makeup and how to understand that and, and how to live with that and how to succeed in that. These things aren't bad, but they shouldn't be the first response that we have to situations. We need to put somebody else in charge of that. Specifically, we need to put the Holy Spirit in charge of that. Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. That place of rulership in your heart that decides how you respond to things, how you feel about things, how you think about things, that primacy, that first role needs to be given to your peace. So obviously you need to have a decent amount of peace in order to put it in charge, okay? So this is, you know, this is level four step. I'm making those numbers up, but you know what I'm trying to say. This isn't your first look for learning how to live in peace for the first time in your life stuff. This is later on. This is where we're going, where we want to get to. You have, you're living in enough peace. And again, peace is an aspect of the Holy Spirit himself. So when I say living in peace, I mean living in the Spirit. Living by the Spirit, putting the Spirit in charge. When, when Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, what he's saying is let the God, the Holy Spirit, rule in your heart. Not in a you're Lord of my life and I praise you kind of way. In a this is how I respond to situations. Jesus says, Don't allow your heart to be troubled. Well, if the person in charge of whether or not my heart is going to be allowed to be troubled is the Holy Spirit, guess what he's going to choose? He's not going to choose to allow my heart to be troubled, ever. That's what it means to have the peace of Christ rule in your heart, okay? And again, this is, this is a, a further along thing, but when we can learn to live in peace, we can learn to place the peace Jesus has given us as ruler of our heart. Now, obviously, we know we're supposed to make God the Holy Spirit, the ruler of our heart, the ruler of our life. We, we know this. This is no surprise. It's practically Sunday school stuff. But what's interesting is that Paul doesn't just say, allow the Spirit to rule in your hearts, He says, specifically, the peace of God to rule in your heart. And that's that's the key to how we can walk into this. Paul's very specific. It's learning to live in peace and let that peace make the responses, make those decisions on how we respond to things. Because when we do, um, the Holy Spirit is going to make much better choices. So in order for this to be true, in order for the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts, we need to get, obviously, we need to get better at living in peace, right? So that we have that peace all the time. And then we need to get even better at humbling ourselves and giving control over to God. Letting him rule in our hearts. Letting the peace of God. And this is a self-control thing. It's giving up our own right, our own authority, to allow our own personality to make all those decisions and responses. Instead, we are submitting ourselves. We are bowing the knee. We are laying our crown before the king and saying, I might be a prince now, but I'm putting my crown before you because you rule over me. And that's what we need to do um, within our mind and within our heart. And so we need to let the peace of Christ, the peace that the Holy Spirit gives, be in charge of our decisions. When we make decisions, whether it's responding to something or, or a later response, you know, what we choose to do. The peace of Christ needs to rule us. We cannot allow our circumstances to rule us. We can't. And we've talked about this a lot over the last couple of years. We cannot allow our circumstances to rule our hearts. That's just not allowed for a Christian. We don't do that. We allow the peace of Christ to rule. We cannot allow our own thinking or, or reason to rule our hearts. Like my natural tendency We can't allow our emotions to rule our hearts. All those things are good. Reason is good. Emotion is good. But they shouldn't be in charge. The Holy Spirit needs to be in charge. We need to give authority over to God the Holy Spirit. And we do that through peace, through walking in peace and giving him that authority. And so we need to choose to humble ourselves before God the Holy Spirit, and let that peace be in charge of our lives. And, of course, this is a process, and we do it little by little. Um, But over time, we get to the place where we no longer automatically react poorly to bad situations. We no longer react, let's say, uh, I'm going to use a real-life one if I can get a little uh, vulnerable with you guys. So I'm still struggling with responding to my kids when it comes to whininess complaining. I I just really hate it. I hate it when they want to complain, particularly when I ask them to do something. Um, I hate it. And so I, I am struggling in this area and trying to get better at letting the peace of Christ rule because what's ruling, what's ruling me in those situations right now is actually anger, which is unusual for me because I, I tend to be a thinker over a feeler, as I've said. But just because of years of annoyance about it, I think, or whatever reason, um, I react in anger. I get annoyed, severely annoyed, when they whine or complain, especially if it's happened several times you know, throughout the day. It's like, I am done with that. And I am allowing my annoyance, my anger, to rule in those situations. I get triggered, even if I'm allowing my peace to rule over here, when I get triggered by that, I allow my anger to take over for God, the Holy Spirit. And not only is that wrong in and of itself, but it's not good for me as a parent to do, and it's not good for my kids to get that from me, right? I'm not saying I'm going to just let them whine and complain all I want. I still need to parent them out of that. But I shouldn't get mad about it. I shouldn't. I should not get upset about that, but I do. And so because I do, I'm, I'm trying to lean on the Lord in this exact thing and to give him control of those responses. And as I've been doing that, it's been getting better. And eventually, when he is really Lord, when the, when the peace of God is really the ruler of my heart, even in that situation, then I won't respond in anger. My response won't be angry. When they want to complain, I'll be able to respond in kindness, correction for sure, but kindness instead of anger. And I can't do that now, but I will be able to do that hopefully soon. It depends on how much I'm willing to cooperate. Okay. The problem with having a zombie of our old self following us around everywhere is that it's constantly trying to eat our brains. That's what zombies do. And that means we give it our thoughts and we start thinking after our old self. We start thinking about those ways. And that's that's what I've done for some reason. I don't know why. But that's what I've done when my kids have been whining and complaining. And I need to stop doing that. But it's it takes some work and it takes some time. But I'm working on it, okay? And and this stuff really does work. We need to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. And when, when we do that, we won't react to bad situations in fear. We won't react in anger. We won't react in stress. We won't react in worry or whatever it is that we tend to react in. Uh, because we're in peace already and that peace is making the first responses and the decisions over what we're going to do. So we're not going to take on any of those stresses that the world gives us. And when we start doing this, uh, saying no to those stresses becomes really easy, and saying no to the big stuff becomes really easy. When we get to the place where we're letting the peace of Christ rule in our heart, even massive, surprise, horribleness is far easier to weather. Far easier to weather. And I can I can say that from personal experience, and I've shared some of those some of those stories. Um, I think of Psalm twenty three. My Daughter Bella was just memorizing Psalm 23 uh, for her like kindergarten final, uh, if you call it that, in, in her Bible class, and she did it. She memorized the whole the whole psalm, and uh, so I've been listening to it for weeks now, right? And it's obviously it's a wonderful psalm. I, I love it. And there's one part in there that I think really speaks to peace. Actually, most of it speaks to peace. I think that's why. It's, it's the favorite Bible passage among non-Christians. I don't know if you know that, but Psalm 23 is what most non-Christians request at like a funeral or something like that, or just anything, because it's comforting and it's, it sounds like rest. It sounds like peace. And the, the, but the bit in there that I like the most in this regard is, he said, David says, you set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And some of you have heard this before, but. You set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So David is in the presence of enemies. He's surrounded by enemies. And when David says enemies, he's meaning literal, like, you know, Philistines or some other ites that are after them trying to kill him. So he's talking about guys with swords trying to murder him. That's what he means by in the presence of his enemies. And what does God do for David in the presence of his enemies when he's surrounded by guys trying to kill him? What does God do? He sets a table, a meal table. So David is surrounded by guys huffing and puffing, trying to kill him. And God sets up a nice lunch on a table, a nice big spread. And Hebrews in that day, when they ate a real meal, they would lie down and recline on one arm like this, lying down and eating. And meals were long affairs. Real meals were long affairs. If you you ate at a table, it was a real meal, and it was a long thing. And so think about that. David is surrounded by people trying to kill him. And what is he doing? He is chilling out and relaxing with God. That's what he's doing. Now, that sounds like some pretty incredible peace to me. Peace that is so powerful that in the midst of being absolutely bombarded, he can rest in God right in the middle of that and share a meal and fellowship. That means no outside circumstance is so bad that you can't connect. No outside circumstance so bad that you can't experience his rest. No outside circumstance is so bad that you can't experience his peace. And also notice that in, in the midst of being surrounded by his enemies, where was God? Right with him, right with him the whole time. It's, it's a wonderful verse and a wonderful passage. And for me, it's, a, it's, it's an example of even another level of peace. Uh, this is definitely letting the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Dave, David is definitely doing that. He's letting God's peace rule in his heart. So that even when he's surrounded, he can still rest and spend time with God. It's a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful picture. And that's where I want to get. And and eventually I want to get to the place Jesus was at when the disciples woke him up in the boat on the Sea of Galilee during the storm and said, the storm's going to kill us. And he said, where is your faith? And he gets up and he says to the storm, peace, be still. That's what he says to the storm. What does the storm do? The storm obeys him. Jesus' peace was so big, so powerful, that when he pushed his peace on the weather, the weather obeyed him. The weather acquiesced to the peace that Jesus had. That's the ultimate level to me. When you can use the peace of the Holy Spirit and you can... Allow the Holy Spirit to move on others, to move on environments, to move on other hearts that are in the room that you're in. That's to me the ultimate level. And by the way, that's the same peace Jesus gave us. Jesus said, My peace I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give you. And so that is the exact peace we have. That is what we can learn to walk into eventually. So I, I hope you have gotten a lot out of this series. I know it's been challenging and Again, I don't pretend to be perfect at all this stuff, but I have failed enough times that I would like to, uh, I, I really like to teach you my things I've failed in and how I've learned and how the Holy Spirit has taught me to do it the right way instead. And so that's what this series has been about. And we'll talk about peace again at some point in the future, but I encourage you to really try it out between now and then and allow the Holy Spirit to challenge you and bring you deeper and deeper in this and then the next time we talk about it uh, maybe we can get some testimonies and you can say hey well this is what I've learned or this is I found it to be really hard for a month and now it's awesome or whatever the situation might be and I've said this before but when we do this stuff when we learn learn to really walk in peace and to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts Again, the peace of God, the peace of Christ, is an aspect of the Holy Spirit himself. It's an aspect of God. So we're saying, let God fill us. Let God rule us. Let God fill our thoughts instead of other negative worldly stuff. When we do that, we find that there's a lot of secondary consequences from it. Um, I have experienced that uh, my spiritual gifts have greatly increased when I learned to walk in peace. Greatly. I have learned that my desire for sin greatly decreased when I learned to live in peace. Greatly decreased. I learned that my, my tendency to focus mostly on myself was gradually replaced by an ability to see needs in other people. And that wasn't normal for my personality. So this is something that God has done by the renewing of my mind. When my mind is less focused on me, it can be more focused on other people. I think that's Um, it it has improved my health. I am sick less. And as you know, I I struggle with um, genetic condition and health problems resulting to that. So for me, having better health is a pretty big deal. Uh, And I've I've enjoyed much better health since then. Um, I used to struggle off and on with depression. And getting a hold of peace is what got me out of that worst depression. And I haven't fallen back into it since because I've learned to walk into this. Now, I know that depression is a very complicated issue. I'm not saying follow these simple steps and in 30 days you won't be depressed. But I am absolutely saying that this is a key to help overcome depression, including chronic depression, or at least the symptoms of chronic depression and what it does to your mind and to your body. I absolutely believe this is a key because I've experienced it myself and I know others who have as well. And so learning to live in peace, learning to walk in the spirit, um, it affects almost every aspect of your life. It also it, it increases your relationship with God. It also, um, for everybody I've talked to who have taught this, they people will come back and talk to me you know, later on, and they'll be like, I can hear the voice of God so much more clearly now that I'm walking in peace. And that's absolutely true. As your mind begins to be transformed to look more like Christ, guess what? Your mind can hear Christ a whole lot better they it did before because it's not cluttered up with all the negativity. That's exactly what Jesus was talking about in the parable of the sower when he planted seeds and some fell along thorns, which were the cares of this world, right? That's stuff we're talking about, the negative stuff we're talking about. Those cares of this world choked off the word of God so that it couldn't do anything, couldn't produce any fruit. And so that's what happens in our minds. We allow the cares of this world and all that stuff to choke off the life and to choke off what was good, what God is doing in our hearts and in our minds. And so we need to take those things captive throw them in jail, literally. Exile them from our minds. And the Holy Spirit will help us to do that. We have to activate our will. This takes self-control. And it takes a lot of self-control. And so we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us <laughs> to increase in our self-control so that we can become more like Jesus. And our families will thank us. My family thanks me for this. It's Yeah, noticeable, And they also remind me when I'm not doing it. (laughs) Just the other day, Andrew's like, I I don't remember what happened, but it had been several things and I don't know. It cascaded and I hadn't yet given them over to the Lord. I hadn't taken time to do that yet. And so things were building and pressure was building. And I just, I started to cave in a little bit and get snippy, right? Um, And Andrew pets me on the arm like this and goes, remember the sermon, daddy, give it to the Lord. And I'm like, ah, called out by my 12 year old, awesome. So yes, I am being discipled by my 12-year-old son and it's amazing. And he was right. He was right, and I want them to do that because I want to grow and just like I want to do for them. And that's what we can do for one another as well. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for sending your son Jesus, who gave us this wonderful gift of peace. I thank you, Father, for sending us the Holy Spirit to begin with. And I pray that as we continue to walk in the spirit, that you would help us to walk in greater and greater peace. I pray that you would help us to cooperate with you and what you're doing in our hearts. And I pray that you would help us to really build up our self-control so that we can say no to all that negative stuff, the stress, worry, fear, anxiety, that we can say no to that and say yes to your peace. And so that we can say no to the negative thoughts, all those thoughts that we allow to roll around in our head. I pray that you would help us to become better at taking those thoughts captive changing our minds to think about things above instead. And as you renew our minds to make us more like the mind of Christ that you've given us, I pray that we would walk more and more in your peace and that we'd find greater rest in you. And, but we need you to help us with this. We cannot, absolutely cannot do this on our own. So I ask that you would help us, Father God. For those of us who would want specifically your help, we ask that you would remind us when we are doing these things. Remind us when we are dwelling on thoughts that are not above. Remind us when we are allowing our thoughts to go down on a path that leads towards worry and fear and and those sorts of things and help us to slam on the brakes or just jump off the train altogether and jump into your arms of peace. And I pray, Lord, on a personal note, that as I leave now for sabbatical for the summer, I thank you that you are going to be, Blessing this congregation. I thank you that you are going to be filling people up with your love and your peace. I thank you that during this challenging season, you're going to be teaching them a lot of things. You're going to be teaching them how to submit their control over their life to you and to really make you Lord of their life. And I thank you that you are going to be showing them financial miracles and provisional miracles, Father God, as they rely on you to provide for them. I thank you that you are gonna provide miraculously. I thank you that you're gonna heal miraculously during this time, Father God. I thank you that you're gonna use us to bring other people into your kingdom this summer. And I thank you that you are blessing all of the people in this church and the people watching online or on, on TV or wherever you're watching. Thank you, God, that you are blessing In Jesus' name, amen. All right, gang, if you can join us right now on Zoom for lunch, I'll see you there. Otherwise, I will see you in September. God bless.